in a series called Follow, and what we're talking about is following Jesus um, up until Easter. So we're talking about these stories of Jesus and how they impact uh, our lives, and they basically are just my favorite stories. So um, it's just basically called John's favorite stories, which we'll call follow. Um, but uh, we just look at these different aspects of Jesus, these different aspects of the kingdom of God, and how uh, th- that all works. And so when we get to the scripture, the very first line, you'll know exactly which story this is, okay? And so, uh, but I'll give you a little map real quick. I don't know if you guys can see this online or not. Um, I guess you can, but if you look here, this is Jerusalem. And where we're going to catch Jesus is a day and a half's walk uh, to where he is here, okay? And then this is Bethany, which is right by Jerusalem. Now you ask, well, why is that so important that Bethany is that close to Jerusalem? Because they tried to kill Jesus in Jerusalem. They picked up stones to kill him. As a matter of fact, there were rumors about them trying to kill him. There were some talks amongst the Pharisees about killing him. And then finally Jesus said some stuff which basically equated himself with God, which is frowned upon in that community. And so they picked up stones to kill him. And uh, the Bible says he eluded them, which I just think is really cool. Jesus eluded them. That's just like ninja. I love it. Jesus is so cool. So, um, so th- that's where they are when we, when we uh, catch them in this scripture. Now, there was a man named Lazarus. So for any of you who've been followers of Jesus for any amount of time, you're like, oh, yeah, the dead guy, right? Okay, don't spoil it for the people around you, okay? There's a man named Lazarus who was sick. He was from Bethany, which was down in this part, right by Jerusalem, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, what I love about the Bible, uh, well, it's God's word. But other than that, uh, I love when it gets real specific because that, that's the Bible, uh, the, the, God's word inviting you to begin to enter into, well, what, why would the author be saying this? Why, what, what's so great about Bethany you're supposed the Bible assumes that you're intelligent and so you should start to ask yourself some questions and so he gets John gets really specific there was a man named Lazarus he was sick he's from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha and then he gets really specific and he it's a parenthetical statement this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, he didn't have to say that, he just said it a sentence ago, but whatever, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So if you don't know that story, that's, a, that's another story. Um, Mary, basically Jesus is with some really important people, and Mary humbles herself, takes this really expensive perfume, Puts it, on her ha- puts it on Jesus' feet, and then wipes it off with her hair. It's an amazing story of worship. I mean, we, we talk when we sing, we say, you know, hey, uh, Taylor and Wilson are going to lead us in worship. There's all sorts of different kinds of worship, right? That was an act of worship. You driving on the freeway and not honking your horn at the person in front of you is an act of worship, okay? Uh, you just say, Lord, I can do this. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Some more information. We know that Jesus uh, 
loved Lazarus. Like they had a relationship. Like these, these sisters aren't just coming up and going, hey, find the healer and go get him healed. They're saying, look, this is like serious stuff. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, if you remember, if you've been listening to any of the sermons I've been preaching in this series, this is a typical thing that Jesus is saying. The reason this happened is for God's glory. We talked about this last week when we talked about uh, the blind man, the man born blind. And they said, who sinned, this man or his father? And Jesus said, neither one. This, is, this has happened so that God's can uh, so that God can be glorified and so that you 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 kind of have the question of like does God cause people to be blind just so that he can like show off no we're broken we're, we're broken people and so we go through a lot of and I'll share a little bit more later in the sermon about how this kind of affected me but uh, we go through life and then the point is that in our brokenness no matter where you're broken God can use it for his glory. God can bring redemption. God can bring restoration. God can infuse his Holy Spirit into that situation. So that's what he says. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, now what do you think the next statement should be? If it says that he loves Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, what, what should he he should take an uber right away like rush down or figure out a way to get there or book a flight you know whatever i mean rush to go see the person you love or at least like write a note or send flowers or some some type of immediate action if somebody you love is sick you take action here's the action jesus take took he stayed where he was two more days Jesus is just like, oh, okay, cool, my, my friend's sick, okay, great. Why did he do that? Why would he do that? And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, right? But Rabbi, they said, remember, remember the stoning? Remember when they were throwing rocks at you and you eluded them? You, remember, you don't remember that? Because it was just, just a few days ago, they, they picked up rocks, they were going to kill you. They said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Now, this is very funny to me, because Jesus specifically said, let us go to Jerusalem. And they reply, and yet you are going back? <laughs> like, in other words, we ain't going with you. They tried to kill you. You know, I don't know why you're going back, but go ahead. We're going to stay here. We're going to hold down the fort. Uh, we'll make sure everything's cool. And then when you, if you make it back. Uh, we'll have everything set for you. Why are you going back? Jesus answered. Essentially, he, he says this thing of like, don't you guys realize that I'm about the kingdom and not about physical stuff? Are there not 12 hours of daylight? <laughs> Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. In other words, you don't have to worry about me uh, getting uh, hit by rocks, okay? You don't have to worry about that. 
I'm about my father's business is what he's saying. And this is very, very important. It's kind of like the first point I wanted to make this morning. Oftentimes, when we are going through difficult seasons, difficult situations or whatever, our focus is so much on the physical. This is, this is why in, the, in my past I've struggled with anxiety. Because I've taken my shift off of my Heavenly Father and I've put it on the circumstance. And then I have this need to try to fix it. To try to make it right. To try to work it all out. And Jesus is saying, look, look, forget about the Pharisees and the rocks and all that kind of stuff. We got to get stuff done. We got to work. And that's what he says. After he said that, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. You know why they thought he meant natural sleep? Because he said he's asleep. Like, get off the disciples, okay? They're just, I would have thought he was asleep. I, I would have said the same thing. And I would have said the same thing that, uh, that uh, Thomas says later. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad. <laughs> Which is very, they were like, and? Okay, right? I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. This is incredible. Jesus is beginning to, you, you start to get an idea of why Jesus was there for two days. And further, I think John gives us some insight even later in this story to why Jesus was there for two days. I think Jesus, uh, and again, I read too much into the Bible oftentimes, but I think he was praying. I think he heard it. And he went to his heavenly father, which is weird, God praying to God. I understand all that. I don't understand it either, okay? I don't know how it all works. Um, and I get paid to know how it works, and I still don't know how it works. But uh, I think he was going, okay, my friend's sick. What would you have me do? And I believe his heavenly father, our heavenly father, said, I want you to hold off for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, two days later, we're going to Bethany, right? Isn't that cool? Jesus is such a good model for us. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, if, you're, if you've been around the Bible or been around Christians, um, they, they call him, uh, what? Doubting Thomas, right? Which is cold. Because all he did was just say, like, hey, I'd really like to see the nail. Like, you're telling me. It wasn't that they, he didn't believe Jesus. He just, these dudes were telling him, like, yeah, he rose from the dead. And it's like, I know you. I'm not going to listen to you, right? That's all he was doing. But here's, you can read this a lot of different ways. He said to the rest of the disciples, and he could have been like an Eeyore in this particular case of just like, let us also go that we may die with him. You know, that's my best, that's my best Eeyore. Sorry about that. Uh, or he could be like me because I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. I would say, oh, good, let us go, that we might die with him, right? Okay, I don't know. Thomas is probably somewhere in the middle. But they understand the gravity of what's going on. They understand what's going on. So, he arrives. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So, it's, an, it's a day and a half trip up to where Jesus was. He waits two days, and then it's a day and a half trip back. So that's, that's five days. So when they left to go get Jesus, Lazarus died. 
Okay, so on the way for them to go see uh, Jesus. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So, we know this. People were at the funeral who were trying to kill Jesus, okay? When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. I want to just talk to some of you who uh, have, might have been in this situation. Again, could be reading too much into it. But if Mary had put perfume on Jesus' feet and had humbled herself to go in front of all these different religious leaders and to weep and to worship and to wipe with her hair, wipe his feet, can you imagine how she would feel if Jesus didn't perform the way she had expected him to perform and for some of you you might be in that situation right now you might be just coming back to Jesus or coming back to church or maybe you've never even considered it but you be you know through the pandemic whatever you're beginning to think and the question is beginning to arise why why doesn't Jesus do this why doesn't Jesus do that that could be why Mary stayed home I've 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 wondered that with my theology. I've, I've wondered when, we, when I quit my job, like an actual real job, not just being a pastor, which is like, you know, that's easy. Uh, when I quit my job um, to become a pastor, and then we sold our house, and we rented a house in Garden Grove, and all these different things, and then my son gets epilepsy. You don't think I had that same, those same questions for Jesus? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I would have understood earlier, but then when you, like, kind of, and I'm not trying to draw attention to myself that I did this great sacrifice, but, like, at the time, I didn't know what, I didn't know Living Spring. I didn't know how amazing you people are. I was frightened of you. And so I, I make this decision, and then seizure, 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 like, you know, a, a bunch, a bunch, like, hundreds of seizures, like, that's, I've, if I were Mary, okay, I'd stay home. I'm just telling you. You guys are like, wow, you're actually our pastor? <laughs> like, yes, I am. Too bad. So Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So Martha is beginning to take some theology and, and, and present it to Jesus. Like, I, I know that you're special. Now, the thing is, you'd think that Martha would say that he could be risen from the dead, but watch what happens. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And she goes theological. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at that last day, at the last day. Like, yeah, I, I get that. I don't know if you've ever prayed and like thrown theology back on God, okay? I'll tell you where I do this. But this is, I won't have a job after this sermon. Okay, I'll tell you how I do this. I, uh, I'll be praying for someone. Like, like there are some people who can like pray like with a ton of faith. Like they're just, they're prayer warriors. They're just faith. I, my theology gets all mixed up in my prayer. So I'll, I'll be like, if someone's sick, I'll pray for them, but it'll go something like this, like, 
Um, I'll just pick Gary. Lord, I, I pray for Gary and, uh, who's sick, and uh, I just pray that he would be healed. But Lord, we also know that sometimes you use these things. And so if there's something that, yeah, and I, I just start going down the line. And God, I also know that you've given people incredible brains. And so if there's a medicine that he could take that would fix him, that would be cool too. And by the time I get done, I don't even know if you could call that a prayer. It's just me rambling and like putting theology back on God. And God's like, why don't you just ask for like a miracle? I'm like, well, I can. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again uh, in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection. It's me. This is about what I'm about to do in this man's life, or in this case, death, and then coming back to life. Like, like, this is me. I'm the power that's going to happen. It's no future date that we're worried about right now. We're worried about now, where I am. And for some of you, me included, all of us, you might need to hear this word that we're not... The fu- your future, what happens to the pandemic, all that kind of stuff, that's all important. Your future job, all those things. But the most important thing is, where is Jesus now with you? Where is he now? Because he wants to do a work. He wants to do a work. And we're going to see how that, how that works out. Uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This relationship with Jesus starts an eternal relationship with your heavenly Father. She says, do you believe this? And she says something incredible. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And we've seen this, we saw this with Nicodemus as Nicodemus was talking about being born again. We saw it with the woman at the well where the first person that Jesus said, I'm the Messiah, and she becomes the first evangelist. And then um, uh, we see it with the man born blind. He says, show me that I may worship him. And Jesus says, ta-da, and he starts worshiping him. After she said this, she went back to call her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. This is so very sweet. That even if you are in a place in your life right now where you want to stay home from Jesus, uh, he's still going to be asking for you. He's not offended by that. He's happy with the conversation. He's happy to talk to you about that. And so she runs out. Um, she was a softy. She couldn't handle it. Uh, he's ask, asking for you. Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. So he's sitting outside, but uh, was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn. So now it's not only Mary coming out to see Jesus, it's a whole bunch of people to come out to see Jesus, if you just kind of paint that picture in your mind. When Mary reached the place where Jesus saw him, she fell at his feet and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Identical to what Martha had said. So you, knew, you know they were talking. You know, they probably were mourning their, their, their brother's death. I mean, if it's, just, again, if it were me, and then I just start going like, he, 
he really couldn't have made it down here? Like, we told him, you know. And so she has to get this off her chest. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, when we think of that, we think that he was, he was sad, okay? And we're going to get to a place where we do notice that he does cry. But this word deeply moved, and I'm not trying to get all geeky like seminary on you, but it's really cool. Uh, it's called ebrimaomai, okay? That's the Greek. If you know Greek, there you go. That's what it is. Deeply moved. To snort with anger. What? To snort with anger? To have indignation on. <laughs> what, what is that? Well, the Greek word is actually used with a horse that's ready to go into battle. So you can picture a horse. Everything's amped up. You know, if you saw Braveheart, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But the horses, you know, you have a rider and you've got all this stuff. And you, you, the horse can sense the tension and does that, you know, I can't, I'm not going to do a horse impersonation, but you can imagine it would have been awesome, okay? And so uh, that's what he's like. He's like, it's almost like he's like, it's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. So for them, for the people who are kind of can only see what's happening right in front of them, Jesus was late and somebody died. To Jesus, it's just like, now it's, now it's on. Now we're, now we're going. And he asks this question, and he has this question for all of us. Where have you laid him? Jesus can't heal something that is not presented to him. And so for some of us, we have these things in our lives, these dead sections of our life, and Jesus wants to know they can't stay hidden anymore. It might be a sin. It might be an addiction. It might be an insecurity. It might be a regret, something that you did that you just kind of have hidden and held onto, and it's a dead part of your life, and Jesus snorts with indignation and goes, let's go get it. Where is it? Show it to me. You need to name it. If I'm going to come in and bring restoration to bring healing, it needs to be pointed out. And that's what he says. And how they reply is exactly how we should reply. Every day, come and see, Lord. Come and see. Let me tell you about my frustration. Let me tell you about this insecurity. Let me tell you about what I'm going through. Let me tell you about this dead part of my life. Here it is. And it says Jesus wept. And scholars wonder, did he weep? Because he was sad. Did he weep because they, you know, if you read different scholars, there's all these different lines of thought. Here's what I know for certain. I have no idea why he wept. I don't know if he was sad, if he was angry or whatever, but he did. And also, this is the shortest verse in the Bible, just so you have that little next thing that you, when you're around the water cooler, when you're allowed to go back around the water cooler, you go, you know what the, Shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. I don't know why he wept, but he did. What it tells me is that he is engaged in the process. 
that, that through, he's present. He's there. He knows what's going to happen. And even when he knows the outcome, there's still, he's still a part of it all. And he's the part of the process of your restoration as well. Then Jesus, they, the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, that was last week, have kept this man from dying? Like he couldn't do that? Two different competing things. Like, man, Jesus loved Lazarus. But then, well, how come he couldn't heal him? Jesus, once more deeply moved, same Greek word, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So finally, Jesus gets to Lazarus, but there's something in the way. Jesus says the second thing that we do when Jesus wants to bring healing to us. Take away the stone. Give me access to what it is. Let the light shine on it. What, what I tend to do and what I know people tend to do is it's like you have this thing that, that Jesus is, you know, it's a dead part of your life. And, you're, and you go, see? Did you see it? Okay, there you go. That's what you get. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, roll away the stone. It doesn't come back. You keep it out there. You lay it out. You lay it out. Maybe that laying it out is talking to someone else, another human being, and saying, this is a dead part of my life. I need Jesus to come and bring restoration. He says, roll away the stone. And they say exactly what I would have said and what I say oftentimes when I'm like, I don't think he wants to see this. Here's what they say. But Lord, said Martha, the sister, of the dead man, which we already knew, John. You said it twice before. By this time, there is a bad odor. <laughs> for he has been there four days. In the King James, it says, but Lord, he stinketh. That's what it says. So just, you can take that to the water cooler too. That, you know, if you've ever raised a boy, they stinketh. Okay, that's just, that's the term we use. And that's exactly what's happened uh, in this situation, she's like, you don't want to roll away the stone. And you know what I found in my own life? Oftentimes, when I have that dead part of my life, and I want to just show them, or I just want them to miraculously just take it and fix it or whatever, I go, oh, this part of my life stinketh. <laughs> but here it is. You get to see the whole thing. It's an important part of Jesus bringing restoration into your life. Of being able to just go, yeah, this is my sin. Here it is. And it stinketh. John said, did I not, I mean, Jesus said, did I not tell you that you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, which is a very important element. Jesus, okay, could have done a Jedi mind trick and like done the stone himself. He could have gone all Yoda and just been like, and then pulled Lazarus out. But look how he involves people in this process of restoration, in this process of life giving. Matter of fact, Jesus almost always uses people. Remember when he fed the 5,000? He could have just said 5,000 and everybody has a little lunchbox right in front of them. He could have done that. 
But he makes the disciples take the bread and the fish and walk it out and empty it all out. And now it's empty and they have to walk back to Jesus, looking him in the eye going, I hope you have more bread and fish because there's a whole bunch of people back there that we haven't fed yet. And then have it happen again and again and again. So they take away the stones. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. This is why I think for those two days Jesus was praying. Um, I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, (laughs) that they believe that you've sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, okay, so you know this about me. Uh, I'm a germaphobe, but I'm also claustrophobic. Okay, and I'm afraid of heights and snakes. Um, so if you were dead, if you were wrapped up in linens over your mouth and head, and then all of a sudden you become alive, if I were Lazarus, I would have just freaked out. So we got to give Lazarus credit. The dead man came out. So I don't know if he was like hopping or whatever. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. So it's like, so for those of you who have a hard time wearing a mask, stop it, okay? Dude was a mummy, okay? He didn't complain, okay? He just just wore his mummy stuff. Jesus says this as the worship band comes up. And this is, When we often think of not giving our stuff to God because it stinketh, right? Or we don't want anyone to know. Or it's something that we've been dealing with for a long time, maybe too long, maybe embarrassingly too long. Maybe it's some bitterness that you've held on to for something that had happened years ago. We're afraid that that's going to become our identity. Watch what Jesus says, and this is what he says to all of us. When we bring that stuff to him and we hand it over to him, he takes it, he redeems it, and he says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Jesus doesn't say, hey, Lazarus, you're going to join me on a speaking tour and you're going to be the guy who sits right next to me and you're going to talk about how you were dead and how you were alive. No, he's not dead anymore. Let him him go. That's not going to be part of his identity anymore. And for those of you who are hearing me, and we're going to take communion after we uh, finish with this song, that's the process of communion, that Jesus died for our sins, that on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread, and he's like, this is my body, this is my blood, this is redemption, this is healing. You are no longer to be identified by the dead parts in your life. We're going to take off those grave clothes. And he's going to let you go. 